1: so glad you decided to tune in for today's episode of the Janice Dean podcast. Our guest is Kaylee McEnany, co-host of Outnumbered on the Fox News channel. She's also a contributor and an on-air commentator who joined the network in 2021. Kaylee was also the White House press secretary under former President Trump and has worked as a political analyst on television. She's been a contributor and a columnist. I learned that she started her career in media as an intern here at Fox News, which brings her work life full circle. She went to Harvard Law School, also attended Georgetown and Oxford University. Kaylee's resume is incredibly impressive. She's also a mom, a wife, and an author of the book, Serenity in the Storm, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ. So there's no doubt about it. Without further ado... Kaylee McEnany, you made the Dean's List. Oh,
0: I love it. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome.
1: Thank you for being here. It's been a while. I wanted to get you on the podcast. I know you're a busy lady.
0: You are too. I watch you every morning, so I know how busy you are. (laughs) But we managed to do it. Yes. You know, I always say people will,
1: um, you know, come up and say, how do you do it all? How do you juggle everything? How do you balance life and family and work? And I say, we don't. A lot of the time. Yeah. A lot of the time we fail. Yes. You know? Very true. And I think it's important to sort of give ourselves grace.
0: Yes. No doubt about it. It's not easy being a mom, doing, you know, working, uh, be, being pregnant while being a mom and working. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. So that's so true. And yo, that's recent. Congratulations Thank on you. your recent baby. Yeah, How old are He's we? now almost six months. Wow. It's crazy. Time flies. I know, born in November. So it's just flying right along. Oh my goodness. Do you have help? No. Uh, well... <laughs> Yes and no, not not help that um, help in the form of my mom, help in the form of my mother in law. So we're very blessed. That's
1: me. Um, Forgive me. That no, was you're... me talking about trying to juggle it all. Yes, I took a nap in my office, <laughs> I... and that was the alarm going off, telling me to get up so we could do this interview. Yes,
0: I've done the same. <laughs> except normally it's like four or five alarms just in case. But. Oh. Um, Yeah, but my mom and my mother-in-law, they do heroes' work. And my father-in-law, my husband, of course. So it's a family effort, but we all chip in, my dad, everyone. Oh, that's so great. Yes. Um, And your husband, you know, I love to, you know,
1: give my husband props because it takes a certain special person Mm -hmm. um, to be a partner with women like us who, you know, career is important. We've decided that this yeah. is an important part of our life and and how we, um, you know, uh, I've always been somebody that needs to have something outside of the family life. And yeah. that's not to say that those women aren't important. My mom was a stay-at-home yep. mom. She was great. But I also saw my mom when she was working yeah. and I saw just this this joy about her or, you know, being able to see her go out the door and know that she was contributing to something else. Yes. So I always try to thank my husband for being somebody that supports that.
0: Yes, I could not. I mean, you are preaching to the choir on that one. You know, my husband was a major league baseball player for 11 years and he had a great career. And now, you know, he is a hero helping out at home, cooking, taking care of the kids when I'm at work. I mean, as you know, I don't have to tell you about the crazy hours we have here yes. on a morning show. Um, but oftentimes it's, Hey, you know, I need to fill in on the five today and I'm excited to do it and I want to do it. Um, but it's then an all day affair and yes. he's the one taking care of the kids or, mm-hmm. you know, you fill in in, in the morning. Um, it's, it's just, it's a lot, um, but it's a, in a good way, in a positive way and to have a husband to support that. It, yes. it just means everything. Right. Cause it's
1: literally, I'll call my husband and say, I've got to do this. I'm going to be late. And he's yes.
0: like, I'm there. Yep. That's a special person. A very special person. Yes. How'd
1: you meet your husband?
0: <laughs> On Twitter actually. What? Which is yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. <gasps> Tell was, me. Yeah, I was having such a hard time meeting people. Um, you know, I was living between New York City and Boston, Miami for a little bit, but really these big metro areas where there weren't a lot of guys like my father, who's like a hunter and a sports guy and just like a, a rugged type man. You know, it's a different it's a different type of guy a lot of times in, in the big cities. And so I was having a hard time meeting someone and I was looking around on Twitter and I saw this guy in a camo outfit like in New York City. He played for the New York Mets yes. um, and he was a Christian, went to uh, Florida State University. So um, had at least some familiarity with where I'm from in Florida mm-hmm. and um, he just fit right into the picture and it was very clear very quickly that we were meant to be together. So how did that work? Did you reach out? How did that happen? Oh yeah, I slid <laughs> into the DMs. <laughs> ah, that's yes. amazing. And I think my message was something like, hi, it's rare to see a, ca- a guy in camo here in New York City. Uh, what are Where are you from? And then we started talking and met at, uh, he wanted Southern food and the only place I knew was Southern Hospitality in New York City, like Justin Timberlake's restaurants. Yeah. So we met there, and yeah, then the rest was history. Was it love at first sight? I would say pretty close. Okay. You know, I think it took time to get to know him. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't say at the f- moment I saw him, but very quickly, I knew this was the one. It took him a little longer. I had to do some convincing on my part, but then <laughs> he came around. I
1: don't believe that. Now, did you know anything about baseball?
0: I did not. I mean, my brother had played growing up. So I grew up, you know, going to the Little League Park, but no deep knowledge of it. My dad played college football. So we were always kind of a football family. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew enough. And I still, though, my husband <laughs> would say I know nothing, but <laughs> I know enough to, you know, it's not a it's a it's a run, not a touchdown like that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> basic. I'm the same way. Yeah. With Fox and Friends.
1: When Brian Kilmeade does the sports, it's like yeah, you're the teacher from uh Charlie Brown, wah wah, wah 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 wah. I don't understand yes. any of it. Yes. <laughs> Especially football. Yeah. Um now tell me about your trajectory of your career. What you started out doing. Did you over? did you always imagine yourself doing something in broadcasting or where, how did that come from? How would, did everything come from?
0: Yeah, I would say I always envisioned myself being in politics from a young age. Okay. I loved politics. Um, Why? Uh, it was innate. It's weird. I, I believe God put a passion in my heart. And, you know, I was a, a weird eight-year-old on the playground <laughs> chanting for Bob Dole. I don't have a, a family that's been in politics. Yeah. You I, were cheering for Bob oh, Dole? Oh, yes. And like wouldn't speak to my brother when he voted for Bill Clinton in the school election. I mean, I was eight. This is like crazy talk. Oh, my God. But Yeah. My parents, you know, they cared about politics, but they weren't in it. So it was just a little peculiar that I loved debating so much. And I love politics and really listening to Rush Limbaugh on my dad's truck just made me set a fire in me, politically Hmm. speaking. And, you know, I I went and I interned in the White House, the Bush White House, um, interned. All kinds of places. Adam Putnam in Congress went to Georgetown because I wanted to be in D.C. for politics, and then I interned here at Fox News with Mike Huckabee and also with Sean Hannity. And my first job out of college was here at Fox for three years, and then I really learned about the intersection of you know politics and news. Yes, and it was fun to be here, fun to learn. And so then I really got interested in the media side of things as well. And um, you know, long story, but went to law school and then worked at CNN for a time and. And then Trump uh, you know, and go work for his campaign and in the White House eventually. So it was a, a long path, but all started from being an eight-year-old girl who loved the political process.
1: Oh my goodness! Now, what about being in politics as a politician? Does that you know ring a bell, or is that something that you find passion
0: in? You know, when I was younger, yes, I would have said absolutely. Um, but it's you know, I heard Gianno Caldwell, Caldwell say this, and I don't want to uh, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing him here, but he said something like, you know, when he was young, he was interested in politics and then he saw how bad the political process got Mm. and I feel the same and having been in it and seeing how caustic and nasty it is I don't know that it's ever something I would want to put my family through yeah um, because I see what they've done to you know Casey DeSantis as recently as this week and the way they tear apart this beautiful successful woman who's a professional herself Um, so I don't know that it'd ever be for my family I'd have to feel a very strong calling Mm -hmm. from God for it to ever be for me.
1: But that makes me sad a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, whatever happened to the the person that wanted to do something good uh, yeah. for the population? Or, you know, to be a leader and not because you have a familiar last name or right. millions of dollars in your bank account. So that that makes me sad that we're not seeing yeah. that anymore.
0: Yeah, that's why I I could not agree more. And I've heard this from countless other bright and shining stars and young professionals who feel the same way. It's just not something they'd want to put their family through, which is why I have so much gratitude for families who have done it. I mean, the DeSantis family comes to mind. They have two young children. The Trump family's been through so much. Um, anyone, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's yes. a successful businessman and yes. then puts himself out there. He's the closest to
1: come, uh, A you know, a person that wants yes. to do it just for the right reasons. Yes,
0: and I, I applaud these people because it's not easy. I think it's a little bit easier if you're on the left and want to throw your name in the arena. But I do think if you're on the right, you're signing up to be maligned mm-hmm. and called any sorts of names. It's the same playbook.
1: Do you feel some relief in the morning that you're not getting up to that podium uh, in front of the reporters every day?
0: You know what? I had fun with it. And people always ask me, they're like, you know, did was, how hard was that? We had fun. And, you know, I hope that came through because we, we would just love to sit in my office and bat around the different things we could be asked and find the, the perfect fact. Factor data point that we would gather from a secretary or a department head. So we loved it. And I had a great team. But yeah, it's the pressures off. Um, the frustrating part was always not the work you'd put in, but what would happen after, you know, mm. I'd stand at the podium and say, our kids should be in schools because the science says this. And then, you know, Jim Acosta would say you know, Kaylee says that we should ignore the science, which is the exact opposite of what I said. So those kinds of things would be very, very deeply frustrating. How do
1: you feel now? I mean, listen, as somebody that was also living that and seeing that on TV and thinking, are are we living in an upside down world right now? You know, not being able to see our loved ones, not being able to have funerals, um, you know, saying the science says this, but it really isn't science uh, because it, for whatever reason, for politics, uh, it infuriates me and to be in the midst of something like that, a pandemic yeah. where you kind of knew like,
0: What is happening? Yeah. What's happening? Yes. No, it's it's very uh frustrating because there's never or I shouldn't say Never. But there's oftentimes not a real reckoning when the truth comes out. Like there are any number of headlines that go through my mind. You know, Lafayette Square, Trump marched through Lafayette Square to hold up a Bible and gassed and pummeled protesters. It wasn't true. The inspector general, you know, a year later said, oh, that wasn't true. Well, where's the reckoning for what was the truth Um, with the pandemic and schools? You know, there's never a reckoning of, oh, wait, the president was right. His press secretary was right. You know, the lie just exists. But in, you know, the case of your boldness in advocating for our seniors here, there was a reckoning. We saw the fall of a governor. Um, well,
1: it, but, not as far as I wanted to go. Not, but.
0: not as far, but, you know, I, I just applaud you for being so bold because it was a, a tough time to be bold and you were bold in sharing your story and I, it made a, made a difference for a lot of people.
1: Well, I do, you know, the greatest compliment you can give me is people that say, I saw you standing up when nobody else would. And it gave me the courage to go to a school board meeting yes. and raise my voice. Yes. You know, that to me is the greatest compliment, because if
0: we can't do that, then we've lost this country in a lot of ways. Absolutely. No, you're right. And that's why, you know, in the wake of um, the most recent tragedy at our schools, the Nashville shooting, you know, I said. This is, you know, the right's not solving the problem. The left's not solving the problem. You know, there's a lot of talk and you can argue whether Congress even has the capacity to solve Mm. a mental health problem. But what we can solve is we moms going to our school board meeting and saying, I want guards at my school. I want these protective measures for my children. Like we have to be able to exert that voice because all too often our leaders fail us. So a grassroots movement can make change. It really can. moms showing up and just having their voice heard. Yeah,
1: it lit a fire, I think, for a lot of moms, you know, and and the schooling part of it. um, You know, what I see in the New York Times now is, you know, we have to kind of forgive the wrong, Hmm. right? Like, there has to be amnesty. And I just, no, no, no. You yeah. can't. We have to be able to find out about the virus, where it came from, the origins. We have to find out why they decided to shut school down for a year or more um, and and not, uh, you know, care about the most susceptible to um, the virus and also um, knowing that our kids were like the least to get the virus. And and now when you look at at the learning that's happening in schools and how far back we are, yeah. there can't be amnesty right now. Mm-hmm. We have to
0: be able to say no, because if we don't find out, it's gonna happen again. Yes. And Justice Gorsage just recently in opinion had a, had a beautiful passage, sad passage, but beautiful in that it brought light to this issue about how in times that are uncertain, a pandemic, we really saw autocracy come in. We yes. saw all this huge overreach in our nation's schools, our churches, mm-hmm. our synagogues, our masks, our, our places of worship shut down disproportionately. Casinos open. Yeah, we can have oh, a marijuana dispensaries. But yes. what, what's so scary, Janice, is, you know, if you look at the Supreme Court opinions, and I got into this in my book, Serenity in the Storm— you know, this, the opinions were all going one way, and it was keeping the churches shut down, keeping the mosques, the synagogues shut down. And then the change was made when Amy Coney Barrett gets to the court, and I remember sitting in the Rose Garden and watching her be nominated, and like that, she gets on the court, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the opinions begin going in the direction of faith and churches and people of worship being able to to worship um, mm-hmm. and not be shut down uh, and to be open in the way marijuana dispensaries were and casinos. Um, it's very basic, but it's scary to think that one seat on a court in America was the difference between our freedom and autocracy. Wow, it's true. And then seeing all of the protests
1: going on and listen, you can protest for whatever you need to do. But mm-hmm. when the families could not go to funerals or see their loved ones and you see thousands and thousands of people in the street together,
0: yeah. um, it just made no sense sense. Yes. And many of the opinions that started going the way of religious freedom actually hit that very point. I remember a case in D.C. It was a church that said, we've been open forever. We only shut down once in our history. I think it was during like smallpox or during a very, very... Uh, urgent and exigent time in American history. And in the opinion they cite, you know, you had Mayor Bowser out at a BLM protest yes. citing the importance of this mass gathering. So mm-hmm. if that First Amendment speech is protected, that same amendment protects our right to worship oh. and, and to praise our God in the way that we see fit. What
1: a mess it was. But, yeah. let you know, let's talk about this. The book, Serenity in the Storm, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ. I think I need a little bit of that in my life. Tell me what was the genesis of it?
0: The genesis of it was, you know, I sat back and reflected, and I think we're at a moment that is bigger than a political party. And there are Republicans and there are Democrats, and it, we oftentimes get lost in this, which team I'm on. But The moment we're at is bigger than that. Uh, When you have gender-altering surgeries for young children, something I never thought I would say, you know, as someone who had a mastectomy myself for preventative healthcare reasons, having a breast cancer gene, the thought that my daughter could flee to a state like California, you know, at a young age as a minor and get a surgery if her teacher confuses her enough to think she needs this. I mean, it's a scary tipping point we see. Um, You know, just on Outnumbered, we were covering mocking Catholics in a drag Show a, a trans group mocking Catholics is now welcomed on Dodgers Stadium Field. You know, these things mocking faith, just common sense issues. And these are issues that, you know, a Washington Post poll came out like 65% think women's sports should be just with biological women. Ugh. Like 77%, I believe it was, don't support teaching sex in kindergarten through third grade edu- education. Yes. But DeSantis, you know, he puts forward, codifies that bill, and it's all of a sudden, don't say gay is what they say, which right. has nothing to do with that. Yeah. So we live in a moment where we've got to get our cultural issues back to a place of common sense, mm-hmm. where we cherish faith and patriotism and these issues that really bind us together beyond political parties. So I wanted to explore these issues through a lens of faith and not so much politics. And how do you do that? Yeah, you sit back and I, and I pray a lot, and a lot of the answers are are provided in Scripture, and that's what's so amazing is the Bible is remarkably powerful in the way it speaks to so many issues of our time, the issue of life, probably most of all, Um, you know, the idea that we were knitted together in our mother's womb and he knew our name before, before he made us like before we were even conceived, you know, we are that special to Christ. So sitting back and having this reassurance uh, that no matter what's going on here, it's all going to be okay. You know, pastor Greg Laurie said something, he tweeted out something today about, you know, for, for those who, who believe, you know, this is our worst time is right here on earth and we are on our way to our best time Mm. uh, which is a future with God and when you have that as your perspective no matter the chaos that goes on here you just know that there's something better on the other side when when I enter eternity that's a good reminder Mm -hmm. right um how, do you like writing? Do you like writing books? I do. I love writing. I'm, I'm a writer at heart. I, that's why I loved academia. So it's, for me, very fun to go. <laughs> it sounds crazy. It's very no, fun it's to not. go read Supreme Court opinions and write about them. <laughs> uh, but it is, it is fun. I enjoy it. I, I love writing.
1: Yeah. I think the hardest part for me was trying to sell the book. It's you yeah, know, that's the worst that's part. That's the hardest because, you know, yeah. especially a time like now where we're all sort of, you know, the, uh, we're watching our pennies and we're making sure every Thing. The food is on the table,
0: and, you know, it's hard. I just say, want to say, go to the library. Yes. <laughs> now, that's the worst part is trying to, yeah, promote your book. But it's important. Yes. And, and, you know, people are
1: like, well, everybody writes a book over at Fox. Well, we really actually like
0: to write, and people yes. like to
1: read. And yes. and the things that we put out there are important to us. It's like an extension of what we do.
0: Exactly. And you get to explore things that are outnumbered. You know, I touch on the issue of faith. Um, but to get to explore it in depth and all the points that you can't get into a one minute soundbite, getting to lay it out on paper is therapeutic and, yep. and fun mm-hmm. and meaningful. Yeah.
1: You talked about your mastectomy. Tell me about that time when you found out that you were had breast cancer.
0: So I didn't have breast cancer, but I had the gene. Okay, that's right. So yeah, So my mom, I had eight women in my family history, extended aunts, that had breast cancer and okay. many at young ages. And what's the gene so that they look for? The Genetic mutation. There's also a BRCA one genetic mutation as well. That's the one Angelina Jolie had. Um, But my mom, you know, when she found out she had this 84 percent chance of breast cancer, 23 percent chance of ovarian cancer, decided immediately, "I've got to get a mastectomy." You know, I want to take this preventative measure. Measure, and it was at the time radical. Many people thought. Many people questioned the decision because, you know, it was years ago. It was before Angelina Jolie came out about her experience. It, you know, felt. Um, extreme but it was the best decision my mom could have ever made who knows what would have happened in the decade after that you know she could have gotten an aggressive type of breast cancer like eight of my aunts Mm. Um, but when I found out I had the gene it was jarring I was a senior in college it was just, I was young, not dating, you know, didn't have a boyfriend so it was very emotional and I thought I wanted to get a mastectomy too right then and there but I decided, you know, this isn't the right thing for me now so I waited Mm. for 10 years and engaged in aggressive surveillance, um, MRIs, mammograms, a lot of tears because there would be false alarms that just comes with the territory of surveillance Um, but then 10 years later after finding my husband and getting married, I made that decision it was the best decision I could have ever made. Um, The surgery, it's a Emotional, but at the same time, it was made very easy by those around me. And I woke up and I looked at my mom while still under the, you know, anesthesia. And I said, that was easier than an eight on one CNN panel because I was working at, <laughs> I had worked on CNN. So, <laughs> yes, it was the best decision I ever made, even though it was a tough one. And how do you, I mean, how do you talk to your spouse about something like that? Yeah, you know, he was very open. Um, you know, I told him when we were dating, I was nervous about it, but he was so supportive. I mean, that's why. Within a year of marriage, she said, Yeah, whatever you have to do for your health, like, go do it. And and I did it. And I'm always very open. I had a nipple sparing mastectomy. So I got to keep my skin. I still look the same. Okay. Literally, the only difference is the tissue's gone and an implant's in. Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I went to, I'm always very open about the aesthetic part of it because I think women worry and fear a lot of the time. But if that's an option for you, you know, I went to my OBGYN and she was like, She had no clue. She, she started giving me, like, you know, the field test. Yes. And she's like, Wait these aren't your breasts. And I was, wow. that's how amazing technology is and how it's progressed. I'm
1: really glad that you're open about talking about that kind of stuff because yes. it's, that will help people, yes. right? I mean, obviously it's a scary thing to think about yourself in that position, but to be able to listen to someone that you look to and you're so open about that. And I think to get over that stigma, you know, yes. of, of talking about what it looks like afterwards.
0: Absolutely. Because I'll I'll never forget when Angelina Jolie publicly wrote about her decision in the pages of the New York Times. My mom called me and was like, you got to get a New York Times. It was such an exciting day for us. Bad day for her. I, I know that that was challenging for her to write, but the difference she made in my life when for me to wake up and feel normal and have this normalcy that this big celebrity you know was public about her decision it gave me so much hope and optimism um and it was i just think it's so important to share it is
1: don't go anywhere we'll have more of the janice Dean podcast right after this
0: this episode is brought to you by paramount plus Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: I came out with my MS diagnosis uh, in 2005, and not many people wanted me to. Uh, Even, you know, bosses were like, Mm -hmm. not a good idea. You know, you should probably just sort of keep that to yourself because it's going to affect your career. They were open and honest about what they thought that decision of opening up about uh, a chronic illness that is not curable and Mm -hmm. might put me in a wheelchair one day. Mm -hmm. They didn't think that was going to be good for me and maybe not even good for the business. Right. Uh Um, But I just thought I, I don't I would like to be open and honest because I've always been that way in broadcasting. I've, you know, I remember going on a show and on Valentine's Day saying, oh, I don't have a ring on this finger yet. You know, don't know when he's (laughs) going to do that. You know, so my point being is I've always been kind of open and honest about my life. Yes. Joking uh, aside with something like this. But um it was such a great decision for me yes um because the pros outweigh the cons and i've had so many people over the years say i have this too and i'm not afraid to talk about that and i have told my employer and i do feel that i am supported mm-hmm. and and So that was really uh, an important moment in my life and my career. Um, And for the same reasons that you're doing it, for the same reasons like Angelina Jolie did it, it just brings a spotlight or an attention on something that maybe normally wouldn't be.
0: Exactly. It's it's so important to be open. You know, I was open in my book about... The struggle to get pregnant the second time around you know that's just it speaks to and it's important for other women to hear our stories or other people who hear about your ms diagnosis because more people are hurting than you know mm-hmm. or struggling than you know and you might be that light uh, that brings um, joy to someone else the way that angelina's decision did to me wow did she ever contact you after that no i've never met her um but you know i'm public about it just it, it meant a lot it really did and it's i'm not the only woman there are so many women out there i I think it's one in four, one in eight women, I believe, mm-hmm. um, will be diagnosed with breast cancer, maybe higher than that. Um, but it, it make, makes a difference. Has anyone come up to you and said, Thank you so much yes. for sharing? Yep. Yes, people have shared with me that they were able to make that decision because I shared publicly. And you know, you just look and you say, There's a life that was saved um, mm-hmm. because of you your decision to be public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, tell me about that struggle to get pregnant again. Yeah, so it took, you know, I I don't want to overstate it because there are women who try for a decade and it doesn't happen. And there, I, you know, I say to those women, you know, I don't know why God answers some prayers and answers others. I Mm -hmm. believe in in the big scheme of things we will see. Um, But at the same time, you know, he promises us that he'll give us peace beyond understanding if we go to him with our our problem and our prayer and our petition. Um, But, you know, my first pregnancy, it happened just like that. I mean, first try just happened. Um, But the second time it took, I mean, many, many months uh, and many pregnancy tests and that d- wasn't happening for me. And to the point where Satan was just getting in my mind and infiltrating with doubts and confusion, all my friends were getting pregnant. I was so happy for them, but it just wasn't happening. And so then my my friend, Abigail Robertson, the CBN a White House correspondent gave me a book by Mark Batterson. And this was before she even knew I was trying to get pregnant. And it talked about praying with holy expectation. And I thought to myself, okay, I need to pray with expectation. Unbeknownst to me, my dad's men's men's group was praying for me too. Aww. The moment I started praying with expectation, I found out within three days that I was pregnant. And I had taken so many pregnancy tests, I was like, oh, I don't think I should take one today. But I just did. And It was positive, and it came at a time when a lot of people were praying for me, and amazingly, that friend of mine, Abigail, six weeks into my pregnancy, sends me a voice message. She had no clue I was trying to get pregnant, and she said to me, Kaylee, the Lord has laid on my heart that you're either trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant, and he keeps saying, boy— And I just got chills because I didn't know the gender yet. Yeah. Um, But I started going out and buying boy clothes just because I know (laughs) how close she is with the Holy Spirit and she was right. So when my doctor called me at about 10 or 11 weeks with the gender, I was like, you don't even need to tell me is what I was thinking in my mind. And when he said boy, I was not in the least bit surprised.
1: Tell me, you know, people who are struggling right now with something, uh, how how do they do that? How do they pray with intent?
0: Yes, pray with anticipation that God will answer your prayer um, and that if he doesn't, there's a reason, and you know he can use your hurt and your struggle to help someone else. And maybe your story is going to make the difference in someone else's life who comes to know him because of your struggle. And one day in heaven, I believe we'll look back in like a constellation of stars. We'll see the way he used our struggles, the way he used our unanswered prayers, um, the way he has used person who comes to mind um, in my life was Rachel Joy Scott, who was killed in Columbine, and she left behind many journals about her faith, and she was a remarkable young woman, and in one of her journals, she wrote, this will be my last year, Lord, I have gotten what I can, thank you. And then she lost her life. She had no clue that she would die in the Columbine shooting, that her father, Daryl, would go on to create an organization called Rachel's Challenge that has changed so many lives. It's averted school shootings, it averts suicides every single year. It's a message of compassion that is in our nation's schools. But her life um, was lost tragically, but her suffering and her family's suffering was used to further God's kingdom. Um, and she changed my life. Um, I had a, a close relationship with Christ because her. Her journals brought that element of my faith to life. And I know she's changed many hearts and minds. Um, So whatever you're dealing with, pray with anticipation. He may answer your prayer. And if he doesn't, um, just know that he can use your struggle for good the way he used Rachel's life. Hmm. Is that one of your favorite books that you've ever read? Rachel's books? Yeah, there's a series of them, absolutely. Okay. So Rachel's Tears, uh, there's a whole series, and if I, I have a young daughter, she will be reading them one day, because this young woman was pretty incredible. She's open and real about her struggles with in high school. She's not a perfect saint. She doesn't describe herself or depict herself that way. She's just was a real girl, and yeah. I, I resonated with her struggles and her faith.
1: It reminds me of the Diaries of Anne Frank in yeah. a lot of ways.
0: Yes, just a, a young woman opening up about a, a Tragic moment in Rachel's case, she didn't know the tragic moment know. on the horizon, though mm-hmm. I do think she had some forebodings, um, mm-hmm. clearly as written in her journal, yeah, what do you love the most about being on outnumbered? I love Harrison and Emily. <laughs> I mean, it's truly a joy. we really love each other. you can and tell I think that comes across on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're creative and fun. And I think we all have our lanes that just work together so well. You know, Harris being an award-winning journalist and Emily with her legal background and me with politics. And I think the way we complement each other um, is, is fantastic, but mostly we're all people of faith. So I feel like we get to bring some love to what is an otherwise very dim news cycle often and to get to sit by other women who are like-minded in that way. I just think, you know, together we, we make a difference on our show and bring a really positive energy. You do. And, you know, you cover
1: the news, but you also allow for moments of having a good laugh or, yes. you know, bringing something to the table that, you know, people can take a breath.
0: Yes. <laughs> right. We have many laughs. laughs. Oftentimes they're like today, they were laughing and I'm like, try, I'm reading a serious news article. I'm like, I wanted to laugh too, but you just, you know, it's, that's how much fun we have. You know, we, we laugh during the, the down moments when you're not seeing what's, what's on camera. It's
1: good. And I've always said, you know, the same with Fox and Friends, you can tell that the people um, that work on the program really love each other. Yes, and that's the difference for sure. You right? can tell that
0: with Fox and Friends, no <laughs> doubt. I watch every morning, and it's it's fun watching your interactions.
1: Oh, uh, uh, what do you tell people? You know, we're going through a really tough time in terms of news. Um, people that get home, how do you you know distance yourself from the bad news? Sometimes, yeah,
0: you know, I there are some really amazing. Um, films and series out that just take you put, give you perspective and I was able when I filled in on Fox News primetime I was able to or it's Fox News tonight I think it's called yeah the 8 p.m. hour um, I was able to share some of those um, outlets that that help set my mind um right you know one of them is a movie called jesus revolution by greg laurie and it talks about the hippie movement and you know this generation that was astray you know admired in drugs and alcohol and um the way you know one preacher chose to open his church and said no i'm not going to judge the hippies i'm going to wash their feet and invite them in and it led to greg laurie who's a Amazing pastor. Um, it's it's a remarkable movie, beating Top Gun and all of these others on on streaming. Um, and then The Chosen is a series. I just watched it last night. I watched it the night before. It's about the life of Jesus. And you know, some people hear that and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to watch the Bible on my way to bed." That it's it's not the Bible. I mean, it is the Bible. It's based on the Bible, mm-hmm. but it's they call it like. Um, Truthful fiction, or yes. I forget the exact word, and basically, it's scripturally based. It documents the life of Jesus truthfully and accurately, but they allow for dialogue that may not be in the scripture, but is true to the scripture itself. And the dialogue is funny, and it makes you laugh, mm-hmm. and you learn more about Jesus, and it's so fun, and it's uh, really gives you an interesting perspective. Like, um, for instance, the Nashville shooting, we we broke that on outnumbered that happened during our hour, and mm-hmm. Harris was the one who had to bring. That somber news to America. Um, well, just by chance, you know, the next morning I wake up to run on the treadmill and the episode I'm watching in The Chosen that day, I think it was episode three, season one, and it was about Jesus with the children. And it's a whole episode where you watch him with these little children, probably eight, nine years old, probably the same age as some of these kids in the shooting. And you see his love for them and his his fatherly way and just his kindness. And, you know, as I'm watching this and dealing with this grim news cycle, I'm seeing, I know where, where these kids are now and they're in his loving arms. Mm-hmm. And this moment in the series is an example of, of where these children are and the hope that their parents can have that they will see them again. So it helps to um, just... As, a, as I watch a grim news cycle and often have to report on it, um, having those moments that bring us to, to the kingdom uh, put things into perspective. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think is the biggest news story that captures Americans right now?
0: The biggest news story? Um, I mean, I'm biased, but I would say the 2024 <laughs> presidential election. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I, I would say that. Um, yeah. And, and the trans issue is obviously a, a really big one. Just the state of our education system and the Parental rights. And, you know, the idea that your children are not your own. uh, They're all of ours, as we've heard from the Mm -hmm. press secretary and the president and the vice president as well.
1: Well, and that just brings back to being a parent, too. You have to be able to speak up uh, about your kids and what you expect uh, from your school system. Yeah. Uh, And if you don't have the means, you have to try to change that. You know, you you have to try to we've been having issues in our school and, you know, I'm the first one to go to the principal and say, you know, I have a problem with this. But and sometimes I think I am this woman is like, is she going to stop emailing me? (laughs) But I think you have to. Right. I mean,
0: it's just it's there are children. Yeah, yeah. your children. You know, they're my children. They're not. All of our children, as we keep hearing, you know, you have to look out for your little ones. No one loves them more than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you an optimistic person? I, yeah, I would say <laughs> yes and no. Um, I'm optimistic, but at the times, at, at the same time, I'm a realist. Like I'm, I know where we are as a country. I know it's not a good place. So while I have hope for the future, um, I'm optimistic in that way. I'm also a realist. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I thank you for being here, and congratulations on the new book, Serenity in the Storm, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ. Uh, I think— It's important that we have more of these types of books by our bedside at night, right? When we're trying to go to sleep and we just need some inspiration.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Janice. You're always an inspiration. I I love watching you. You're just a ray of sunshine always. Uh, Well,
1: occasional storms.
0: Yeah, occasional storms. (laughs) But we've got to be a realist about those storms. You're right. And the
1: sun eventually does come out.
0: It does. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you
1: for being here. Thank you. Thanks again to Kaylee for making today's Dean's List. You can catch Kaylee McEnany weekdays at noon Eastern time on Outnumbered and her new inspiring book, Serenity in the Storm, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ, is out in stores now. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Dean on Twitter or FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast.